Hi, this is Ruben Spolter from The Mission Project. Five years ago, I began recording and uploading two Mishnayot a day to YouTube. I thought it'd be a nice way of sharing my daily learning with others. Little did I realize how big this would become. Today, The Mission Project has over 150,000 total views. We have over 800 YouTube subscribers, a WhatsApp group, a Telegram channel, a webpage, even a podcast feed. Jews from all walks of life and all skill levels, from literally all over the world, from Western Canada to Eastern Australia, all come to the Misha Project to watch, learn, and grow in Torah. But now I realize there's so much more to do. I dream of creating a new website that will enable people to learn Mishnah at their own pace. I dream of growing and promoting the Mishnah Project so that one day soon, thousands of Jews from around the world will make daily Mishnah an unmissable part of their day. And I dream of expanding the Mishnah Project to other languages so that Jews from Israel and from other parts of the world will be able to take part in this incredible learning opportunity. But to do all this, I need your help. We often study Mishnah in memory of dear departed ones. The word Mishnah in Hebrew shares the same letters as the word Nishama or soul. Our sages teach us that the study of Mishnah can elevate the soul. For this reason, I have dedicated the learning in the Mishnah project to the memory of my father, Harav Simcha Spolter, who passed away when I was young. It brings me great comfort that I can dedicate the learning in his memory. I would like to share this opportunity with you as well. Please join me by giving generously to the Mission Project's inaugural campaign. Your donation in memory of a loved one will perpetuate their memory through the study of Mishnah around the world. I look forward to joining with you in making the Mission Project a powerful force for Torah study for the Jewish people. Thank you so much and make it a great day. Welcome to yet another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about modern orthodoxy, religious Zionism, and everything in between. And as we've learned over the few past few weeks, there's a lot in between RZ, religious Zionism and modern orthodoxy. My name is Ruvain Spalter. I'm here with Harab Johnny Solomon. Hello, Rav Johnny. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. We haven't done our buys in a while, so I'm going to do them. Rav Johnny Solomon is a teacher at Midrash at Lindenbaum, MTVA, and Matan. He's an editor at Mosaic Press a virtual rabbi, and an independent Jewish education consultant. Beyond this, Rabbi Johnny writes a daily thought on Daf Yomi and serves as posik to his local shul in Evan Shemuel. And in the last few weeks, Johnny, have you gotten any new jobs? I actually, I was approached a couple, <laughs> twice in the past two days. I was kidding, but I knew I said, it was true. Which I said, that, thanks, but no thanks, because my life is somewhat busy at the moment. But uh, yeah, uh, just juggling. Okay, as we all are. Um, so welcome. It's good to be back. Uh, we're here with Harabinit Mali Brovsky. Hello, Harabinit Mali. Hello, how are you? Harabinit Mali Brovsky is a Jewish educator specializing in Tanakh and Machshev Israel. She is also a clinical social worker with a private practice in Gush Etzion. For the current year, she's serving as a field advisor for YU's Wurzweiler School of Social Work in Israel. She is also a Jewish... Why, why does it say she's also a Jewish educator? I said that. Molly, any new jobs since we last spoke? No. Okay. <laughs> I am the director of the Rimonim teacher training program at the Herzog College in Israel, in Alon Shvut. I am the Shorashim representative at Sohar for English-speaking countries. I'm the founder and director of Kita.org, the Jewish online classroom for families. And uh, if you don't mind, and I asked you before, I'd like to make a quick announcement for the past number of years, actually five plus years, I have been um, recording and uploading Mishnayot. It's part of the Mishnayomit program. Uh, There's a worldwide program that you learn two Mishnayot a day and you go through Shas. I'm very, very, very in favor of it. Uh, I, I strongly believe it's an incredible uh, learning opportunity if you're looking for a daily learning program. This Shabbat, actually this Friday, is the last Mishnah in Uktsin. And Shabbat is the first Mishnah in Masechet Brachot. It's a Siyum Hashas. 
So I will be doing an Mazel online. Tov. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Baruch Hashem. Right. I'll be doing an online Siyum Hashas, um, which, which will take place on Sunday, uh, this Sunday, December 26th at 5 p.m. Israel time. Everyone's invited. It's going to be on Zoom and YouTube Live. So if you want information, please let me know. Um, it's a it's a big deal to me, and Baruch Hashem, I'm very I'm very proud of uh, you know the long slog that has produced just a tremendous amount of learning for a lot of people around the world. Okay, uh, and announcement uh, today we would like to talk about uh, Matan Kahana. He's not a, not just a chaver Knesset. Matan Kahana is the Sar Hadatot, the Ministry of Minister of Religious Affairs, and he has been a a leading, or I would say, a leading personality in Israel in the areas of religion and state. But of course, uh, with, the, with the nature of Israel the way it is, a, a controversial figure as well. One who draws a tremendous amount of attention, tremendous amount of controversy. And we thought that it's about time that we speak about him uh, and some of the changes he's trying to bring about in Israel, how he's trying to do it, um, how it's being received, what do we think about it, so first, I want to turn to Johnny to sort of give us a little bit of a synopsis, if you don't mind. He did a little preparation for us about Matan Kahana, and then we'll, 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 uh, we'll discuss some of the reforms. But moreover, before, it's, it's not moreover, but in addition to like the specifics, or instead of the specifics of the reforms, what, what's his broader agenda, and what's he trying to accomplish here in Israel? Harav Johnny, take it away. Okay, so firstly, thank you. Um, uh, just before... I begin, I want to kind of make it very clear this, as a disclaimer, this is, I'm not speaking either as an academic or even an expert in the field, but an Israeli citizen who cares about the present and the future of this country. And some of the things that Matan Kahana is particularly involved in and trying to make significant changes in very much touch on points of, uh, of significance in a day-to-day -day life such as Kashrut, or points of significance in terms of Jewish peoplehood such as Giyur, which means I think every Jew around the world should be aware of what's going on um, and should perhaps even have an opinion about what's going on, even if they, like I, may not be experts and I'm not privy to obviously all the information that he and his advisors are sharing. But I, I mention that as a... As a um, as an introduction to who is Matan Kahana and, and, and why is there so much discussion right now about Kashrut uh, and Giyur and why is there an upbeat tone, especially in some parts of the religious Zionist world? How do I know that? I know that because uh, just a couple of days ago, he, with some of his rabbinic advisors, uh, spoke to a number of representatives of the, of the Bet Hillel movement to try and outline what their vision is about Giyur. And they got pretty much a thumbs up from those people present. And you may well say, well, I mean, they're just all liberals, of which the, there's some truth in such Johnny, that's exactly what I was going to say. Beit Hillel is considered the, uh, the, the, the left fringe of the Orthodox community. Correct. So is that who why, Matan Kahana is, is appealing to in this in, in, in not, this Well, no, agenda? because that's why it's significant that, uh, was it just today, yesterday, uh, Rav Eliezer Malamed, who though some may well argue to be slightly more progressive, uh, certainly has fairly strong, uh, you know, halachic credentials, religious credentials, leadership credentials. He made it clear that he is also ba'ad, he's also for uh, some of the proposed changes in terms of giyur. Wait, wait, let's go back, let's go back. Before you get into that, I, take, right. take it back. So, so but, but the key point, though, is um, the dialogue right now about significant goalpost shifting about points of significance which have a an impact on the day-to-day -day life of Israeli citizens Jews around the world is igniting new conversations within the religious Zionist world and it's in many ways is igniting strong fires of opposition for those who disagree with Matan Kahana. So who is he and, and what is he trying to do? Well first and foremost I want to quote from him because uh, this is I think a, a significant Wait, Johnny, I just have to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to let our listeners sure. know. We tried actually to invite Matan Kahana on the podcast. We, we wanted to invite him, but his uh, advisors told us that he does not interview in English. So he, it, it was not possible. So in lieu of that, we're trying to give a description. But uh, if anybody wants to know, we tried to reach out to him and uh, was, wasn't By the possible. way, there's a very good um, uh, 
interview with him in the Jerusalem Post, where they interviewed him in, in Hebrew, and then it was translated yeah, into English. The one you said, that's Times of Israel. Yeah, the Times was, of Israel. Uh, sorry, Times of Israel. Good point. Right, so I want um, to actually quote from that interview. Yeah, but okay. I just uh, again, highly I, I recommend it to get it, for people to get an insight into who he is. It's very, very, I thought, illuminating. Right, so he says, I believe that the biggest rift among the Jews and the state of Israel stems from the issues of religion and state. And someone like me can actually tackle those issues. And he says, why someone like me? Because on the one hand, I come from a very strong Orthodox background. I'm the poster boy for religious Zionism. I grew up in the religious Zionist framework in Madrich for Bnei Akiva, a graduate of Yeshiva High School. I've always kept the mitzvot. I pray three times a day. I wear tzitzit, as, as Orthodox as it gets. On the other hand, I spent 30 years in Israel's most secular frameworks. Early on, I was often the most Orthodox combat pilot. I managed that mix pretty well. So as a conservative Orthodox Jew, who really knows the secular world, I can be the person who provides some of the solutions to heal the rift. So he sees himself basically as being an ardent religious Zionist um, who is um, representing a variety of voices which have been marginalized because they haven't been given a platform to meaningful speak in terms of uh, discourses in the, in the Knesset. And at the same time, he's trying to be sympathetic to the wide Israeli public. That's point number one. Point number two, where does he live? He actually lives in a place called Bet Gamliel, a place where actually I checked out uh, some years ago before I moved to Evan Shmuel to live. It's basically between where you live, Ruby, and where I live. It's a nice moshav, um, a father of four boys. Um, but uh, there's something else which I think is worthwhile noting, which is though a lot of the changes that he's proposing right now in Kashrut, in Gira, and other areas have been long awaited by many people, I would certainly argue that a shift has happened in the post-corona period. Shift in terms of how people perceive certain communities and whether they feel that they best represent the needs are, and are also necessarily the most responsible in terms of moving forward many delicate issues which are facing the Jewish people and the citizens of the State of Israel. All right, I want to turn to Mali. Mali, in your mind, how do you see what is it Kahan is trying to do in a broader sense? And how do you see his efforts as he's as he's trying to do them? Okay, so, so the truth is, um, my husband actually said to me right before we podcast, we we started this. He said Matan Kahana spoke to his org, one one of the places where he works for, which is an organization called Giorka Halacha, which if people don't know what it is, maybe we can discuss it later. But clearly, we, we've had uh, we had David on, we, we had him on, but I feel like we don't only talk about the things that we should have talked about. But that's okay. Um, the point is that. He's heavily involved in the problems and dilemmas of Giyur in the in in the country, which is one one of the areas that Matan Khan is trying to to um, address. And he said Matan Khan uh, opened by saying, when he when he convened his first staff meeting, he said to his staff, "I have two goals for the next four years. One is to create a Kiddush Hashem, and the other is to bring more Jews in the state of Israel closer to Judaism." And I believe him. And I think that when I liked how you phrased your question, like, what do I view what he's trying to do? So basically, the way I view what he's trying to do is that essentially the religious Zionist community has has kind of abandoned the playing field of um, legal, the, you know, I don't know how to say this, but the, the legal aspects of religion, right, the ways in which religion intersects into um, citizens' lives through the government, that playing field has been abandoned to the Haredi parties for many, many years for all kinds of reasons which we discussed in the podcast in the past. And Matan Kahana is standing up and saying, Ad Khan, I'm not, I, I, we now have an opportunity. And he also has said this to, to the religious Zionists, and he said this to like his constituents and to, and to the politicians. He's like, we have four years, we have, or, you know, less probably, right? But like, we're not going to get this chance again to have a religious Zionist head of Misrat HaDatot is not going to happen often um, because usually the Haredim demand that position. And he's like, this is a unique opportunity. And I think he's really right. And I think that I really believe him that this is his goal. I really believe that what he what he wants to do is he wants to um, revolutionize the the rabbanut. I'll just say it that way, right? He, meaning he doesn't want to get rid of the rabbanut. He's explicit about identifying as an Orthodox Jew, um, and he he doesn't want to push halachic Orthodox boundaries. He very much believes in them. But I think that let's call a spade a spade. He's willing to do it. We're willing to do it. The Rabbanut has severe um, 
complexities and problems, uh, some of which, again, I'm going to just say it like it is. Um, you know, wh- why not? We don't have time. Let's not pull our punches. Many of which have to do with the fact that that um, the, the the people who are in charge of the Rabbanut are coming from the Haredi political parties, and they have a different perspective on the role of the Rabbanut and how they how they're going to use it. And he would like to, I'd say, unplug unclog some of the. Um, that's, that's saying it how it is. Come on, Molly, hit him hard. I'm being, I'm, <laughs> no, I, I'll, I'll leave you to do the hard hitting, Ruby. I'll, I'll say it in metaphors, right? He wants to un, unplug some of the, um, you know, difficulties that 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 are there and that create that 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 I think really he's right. Really make first of all make it hard for your average Jew to have access to good um, religious services, and that also turn people off to religion and and i think his 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 um his reforms are intended to do those things and and i'm impressed with him so i want to respond to what you're saying molly and then ask you a follow-up question i I didn't want to interrupt you i i I will say it the way it is but i think not not in a a nasty way but i think we have to go deeper than that because we're talking about you know agendas and goals but let's go back a step and talk about a sense of ideology Mm -hmm. I, i think that you know, the world or the religious Zionist world really met Matan Kahana when we saw the video of him responding. He yes. was accused in his in his uh, in his uh, initial like foray into kashrut reform of causing a chilul Hashem. I think is that is that what he was? I don't remember. Somebody accused him for some, whatever reason of of causing a chilul Hashem, which is if you don't know what that means, the desecration inaug- of God's that, name. Wasn't that his not his inaugurative speech to the Knesset when he maybe was, it was his inaugurative? But do you remember what? I don't remember what caused it, but somebody accused him of causing a chilul Hashem, and he stood up in his inaugural inaugural speech in the Knesset and he said, "I caused the chilul Hashem," and he t- talked to. Chaver Kedeset Gafni, whatever his first name is, okay? And he said, have you ever, ever had to decide, try to daven Shemona Esrei lying in a foxhole and you didn't know whether you were able to? Have you ever tried to, had to wash your hands, not with the comfort of having enough water and had to decide how much water to use to wash your hands? And he As basically he said, not, not in the Knesset corridor right next door, you have a faucet, right. but in the middle of a foxhole. Also, uh, he, let's, let's, you want to be hard hitting. I think he used the words, miyatem bichlau. Right? right. Have Who you, are I, you I, to criticize me for creating Chil Hashem and for not being, um, you know, religious enough? In, you know, wait, wait a second, Johnny. I just want to. Yeah. I want to get to. I want to get to my point. So, there, so what, I mean, like every religious Zionist ever who ever sent their children to the army was like, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he knew what he was doing. And he was doing it on purpose. And and obviously, I think he baited the Haredim and they they fell for it, which was a mistake on their part. Um, but I think the idea, though, is. He is coming and saying that religious Zionism deeply cares about the institution yes. of religion in the state of Israel. And that in our identity, we have allowed other people to take control of something. Molly, you said it, you said you're not, you know, they're gonna say it how it is. How it is is like this. Haredim don't believe in the Rabbanu yes. Rashi. And he said and, and that, by the way. And they're explicit about that. that. He that, said that. He said that to the Smudger No, no, what's that me? Right. He said that. They, they don't believe in the Rabbanu He Rabbi said, don't Nuda you Rashi. realize that they don't hold from your rabbis? Don't you they, realize that the They don't believe the, in the institution the of yes. the chief rabbinate. But they're very happy to cynically utilize it, either if you want to say in the most cynical way for jobs yeah. and for patronage, or in the least cynical way to achieve the, their agenda of, you know, trying to make more religiosity or whatever it is that they really do believe in. They have things that they believe in. And he's coming along and saying, I'm sorry, we have to stand up for the, for the values that we believe in. And truth be told, the sad part is, the real sad part is, uh, <laughs> nobody else really cares. Everybody else thinks that Misrata Chinuch is more important or others are more important. Correct. And, and, and other than Matan Kahana, uh, maybe one or two other figures. There aren't leading figures, and our community as a whole doesn't really support him. And it's very nice, like we're like, yeah, Matan Kahana, but push comes to shove, we would give up the Misrata that tote if in the in the in the in a coalition if Bibi ever decided, you know what, let somebody else be Rosh Memshallah, and he ever stepped down, and they tomorrow created a right wing government, and the Haredim came back, they would kick out Matan Kahana, and we would never lift a finger to help him. And I think and that's that an is, indictment. I think that's a. Tr- right. I agree. That's a big mistake. That's like, an I indictment like, of us. I feel not, like we're not supporting him. Do you remember Daddy, when? You to respond. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say one thing? Remember when? Sure. Just to finish, just round up your point. Do you remember when Uri Orbach, who I think that was his name, right? He was the, 
he was the um, um, journalist, and he said Hatovim mm-hmm. Right, he was basically right, right. saying to the right. right he he was the, the expression, the Israeli expression is "hatovim l'tayis." Right, the best um, you know military go into the into the into um, into the air force. By the way, Tanakhana both did Sarah Merkal and the air force, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like he did one, and he's like, "I want to do the other one also," which is something about his personality. But um, so the expression is always the best go into the air force, and and Uri Orbach said. Listen, religious Zionist community, we have to get in there into the um, into the media because our voice is not being represented. And I feel like the religious Zionist community is now everywhere, right? Except in this one place, which is really where we should be. And and there are reasons why people don't want us there. The Haredim don't want us there, right? Because they want to be in charge. The secular don't want us there because A, they're yielding to the political pressure of the Haredim to give them what they want. And also, I think we're more threatening to them than the Haredim because we're, we're closer to them. So no one wants us there. And if we don't stand wait, wait, up let's, and say, let's, one second. this let's, is we're gonna go we, back to that. Why we to I, I just want to say, why we're more, hold that thought, why are we yeah. more threatening to the secular? Okay, but let's go to Johnny. Johnny, you wanted to respond. So, so I want to touch on the, both the points you made, um, as well as his maiden speech, and, and uh, I think an overall framework of what we see being played out which is in that maiden speech, really what he did was give voice to the pride we hear of religious Zionism within religious Zionist institutions, but often held back beyond them. We have our religious Zionist newspapers, which are very proud of the community, religious Zionist yeshivot and midrashot, and and there's a real strong voice of of pride about what we're doing and, and and the kind of dual... Uh, fusion of living the wider world and, and, and serving in every dimension, especially in the army. But still, uh, that's often uh, muttered when in the shadow, basically, of other religious leaders of diff- different types and stripes. That's been kind of uh, a murmur rather than the call of pride that we hear. It's as if somehow the volume is turned down when a religious Zionist leaves the walls of the institutions in which they speak. And what he did basically in the maiden speech is saying, I'm in the Knesset. I know that even to be religious is to be a minority here. I need to be religious Zionist to, is to be a significant minority. But that's not going to dampen my pride of what I am, because I think that I'm bringing together, as you say, the very best. Now, why is that so significant? I just want to flow this through for a second. Because a lot of the issues that have been holding back significant shifts which many other people knew were absolutely necessary in the Rabbanut are issues of fear. Fear of if we mess around with, with Giyur, then what will be in terms of assimilation? Or what will be about our relationship with the diaspora? If we mess around with Kashrut, we're fearful. And, and um, something that he said in his uh, speech in July, not the maiden speech, but like, uh, you know, a, a few weeks later was stop being fearful. You know, what you know? What are you so worried about? You know, if you're proud about who you are, and this is something Rabbi Sachs often said, if you're confident in your beliefs, you you wouldn't be so afraid. And he actually basically accused Haredi leadership, who was so afraid of these changes, of lacking confidence in, shall we say, what they're trying to sell. And he's saying, I don't lack confidence in the slightest, and I don't think any person who sits alongside me um, uh, should feel the same way. So. In a broader sense, what has he done for the religious Zionist world? You know, Sahar, when it originally was established, they said, we still believe in the Ravanut, but we feel it needs some support, shall we say. Some years later, they kind of said, and we saw it in our conversation with uh, Rav Stav, less so, because the, the Ravanut was so flawed that with a, such a heavy heart, religious Zionists felt that they were unable to support the very institution which is ultimately an expression of the vision of the great religious Zionists of the early pre-years of the state, such as of Cook. What has Matan Kana done? He's taken a feeling of yeush, of hopelessness, of hopelessness about the Rabbanut, yeush about hopelessness about certain issues that we keep on talking about and there's no change. He said, one second, this is a country of tikva. And though we talk about that in terms of defense and we talk about that in terms of economy, We've rarely had a chance to talk about that in terms of religion. There's always been a sense of yush, especially amongst religious Zionists, for decades, precisely because even though it's a proud community, it's been a relatively powerless community. It's had influence, but not power. He's saying, I've got power and I'm going to run with this, and I want you to support me as well. Okay, I want to follow up on something, Johnny, you just said. By the way, I love these discussions. 
because it, 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 it raises things in my mind that I've been thinking. And you mentioned the idea of pride. I think deep down that when we talk as a community to Haredim about religion, Haredim have a sense of elitism. We're just, we're just better at this than you. We're more machmer than you. We're more careful than you. You know, we, we learn more than you. And they do, to a large degree. And, and we sort of like cower, like, okay, they should be in charge of the Rabbanu Rashi because they're firmer than we are. Mm-hmm. And, and along comes Matan Kahana, exactly as you said, and he says, I, I disagree. I, I don't agree with your definitions of what Frumkite is all about. And I think deep down, deep down, if you'd ask me, I would say, I totally agree with Matan Kahana. Yes, no, I don't keep every Chumrah. I'm not Shemitah, Kechumrah, whatever you want to call it, because that, that's not more religious to me. I'm more but careful about reflecting on sending, Corona. He uses this as an evidence of, I'll tell you what's from wait, wait, me, looking se- out for sending life. my children to the army is a religious decision. It's a Frumkite decision. It's a Klal Yisrael decision. It's not a, it's not a, oh, look, it's not a Bidi Evid decision. And, and somebody who's afraid to do so and sends his child to Yeshiva to hide because he's not, because he's afraid of what will happen if he goes to the army. I'm not so sure that's a firm decision. And all this, and, but for whatever reason, when, when we come to interact in, our, in ourselves, we cower and we consider ourselves less, and we consider ourselves less from. And I think what you said about this idea of be proud of who you are, how does one take, channel that pride that he talks about and transmit it to, to others and to the future generations to say, no, do not cower, do not, you're not second best, you're not worse, you make difficult decisions that, that cause us to make compromises, like everybody else does, but they're religious decisions, and they're lechachila, and they're l'shem shamayim, and they're akidah Hashem, and they're what we're supposed to be doing. Molly, you want to respond, and then we'll take yeah, a break. No, I, I, first of all, I agree with you, but I think part of the problem is, and again, we've discussed this in previous, podca- previous podcasts, is that the religious Zionist world, unfortunately, as always with Jews, our problems come from our internal divisions, because we we've got we're such a it's like like we once said like we don't vote homogeneously right it's not like every single religious zionist jew votes for the religious zionist party and they don't identify with it. like you've got in the religious zionist world you've got the Khardal faction and then you've also got people who are al haretzef as as you say like you've got so much diversity and instead of being able to rally behind matan kahana and to say you're 100 percent right we should be proud of who we are and this is a priority for us not only is the issue of lack of pride and, and ability to kind of st- have a clear identity and stand behind it and be proud of ourselves in terms of our religious commitment, we also have unclarity about what our priorities should be. And and, and you heard what I'm saying? Like, why haven't we been fighting for Misrata Datot all these years? There are a million and one reasons, one of which is maybe insecurity, but there are other reasons also because we really wanted other yeah, we don't care enough. We wanted a we wanted a Rabbi Kahl. We wanted a Rabbi Kahl. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's, and I think the religious Zionist community has to do a very serious cheshbon nefesh about again, like, are we going to just cede the ground to anybody who's just more? Um, I'm trying to think of the word more zealous than we are, both in the Haredi community and within our own community. I'm talking about like you know the the Khardal and I'm thinking against Khardal, but let's say think about things like Khotam, who become Khotam is a very extreme um, organization that are against. I, I think they're. I think they've attacked him. Attacked Matan Kahana. Oh, later, are you right? kidding? Yeah, they've attacked. Um, again, saying they've attacked him mercilessly. Right? <laughs> mercilessly, right? Um, so like we haven't gotten ourselves together. We don't, and which again, maybe it's not bad. I'd like, I like having diversity, but there's always the weakness of the center, right? Or, or, or people who are trying to hold complexity. You know, like the, the, the hardcore center that's able to hold it right and well is going to be a very small amount because it takes tremendous passion, tremendous dedication, a certain degree of like ability to think complexly and to live complexly and to live very consciously. And you're always going to have people falling to one side or the other, identifying in that middle area. And it's hard. It's hard to be religious, uh, religious Zionist and be clear about your values and still hold them complexly and proudly. And he's fighting for that. Whether he's going to succeed or not, I don't know. Right? That's you had said before the beginning. Would be like, do we, how, how do we think he'll do? I, if if we can get it together and support him, I think he could do amazing things. I don't know that we are going to be able to get it together. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break. 
and we'll follow up on something we said, I said I want to come back to, right after this. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ila, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. All right, and we're back. Molly, I want to follow up. Um, you can pass to Johnny if you want on something that you said. You said, okay, you said, or maybe Johnny said, his goal, Molly said it, was to heal the rift between uh, different factions in Israeli society. Mm -hmm. And then we said, interestingly, that on the one hand, the Haredim feel threatened by us, but we said perhaps even more so, the secular feel threatened by us. And it's very interesting to note, all of these coalitions that give the, that give the Misrata Datot, the Ministry of Religious Affairs, to the Haredim, they were all secular coalitions, meaning the secular would seem very happy to have the Haredim in charge of religious affairs, where, you know, and they tell the religious Zionist either, like, you know, keeps Bennett out because he can't stand him or can't stand the other Shaked or whatever, or they give him, you know, you take Misrata Chinuch, you could do education, you could do social welfare, but I don't want you in charge of religion. Which gives me this sense that, uh, th th this is a sense that I've had for a long time, that secular people want their religious people to be functionaries and figureheads. You take care of kashrut the way you want. I don't keep kosher anyway, so I really don't care. But you take care of kashrut the way you want to take care of it. Be as machmir as you want. You do the religious stuff. I want you to come and give a nice speech. And I want you to, like, uh, on the, you know, at, at the tekasim, at our functions, I want you to, like, say Kaddish or talk about God and blow a shofar. You do the religious services that I need. But do me a favor. Just stay out of my life. And when you see a Matan Kahana, like on the one end, it's like very nice. He wants to make it more approachable. But when you say it's going to make it much approachable, what you're really saying is, I want to make Israeli society more religious. When you say, I want, I want to go by the, uh, by the, by the um, uh, Medan Gabizan, Amanat Medan Gabizan, which says that there's going to be this huge pact about changing Israeli society. Yes, that means that I'll be able to go to a museum on Shabbat, but it also means that all the malls are going to be closed. I'm not sure secular society really is really ready for that or is really interested in that. Johnny, what do you think? Well, firstly, in terms of that covenant, his critique was that was an opportunity lost. I don't quite know whether he really thinks that he's going to be able to bring back from the dead some of those suggestions. What he does basically argue is there were times when discourse was actually rich and meaningful, um, but you didn't fight hard enough really you know you, you left it as a, as a theoretical but we really needed to have done more and as i say there was a spirit of yush he's now suggesting let's at least grab this window of power uh, and, and maximize it as much as we can so does he hope that there'll be um a, a greater sense of connectedness to jewish uh, to jewishness let's call it that in the state of israel yes is he trying to affect Hadata? I think that's a little harsh, although some people may wish to interpret it that way, because he is quite emphatic that though he, he is, his vision is to decentralize in terms of Kashrut, in terms of Giyul, he also is emphatic that the majority of Jews in Israel identify as Orthodox. And we know that this has been an ongoing debate, right, where in terms of um, granting authority to non-Orthodox in Israel. He says, listen, I recognize that non-Orthodox in Israel, but I also recognize that this is a very, very significant minority. 
and the state of Israel should be run according to the needs of the citizens of the state of Israel, of which those who identify with Jewishness at least generally see themselves as being maybe in the fringe or the most diluted traditional version of orthodoxy. And he feels that is his mandate and that is his uh, duty. Because failing to do so, actually, we're going to have a real, real mess. Yeah, but Johnny, so, I, want to, I want to bring you back. I'm sorry. To re, I just want to refocus. Again, refocus my question. His argument is, look at culture, look at how many, you know, the Jewish songs that, that are in pop culture and things like that. And he's saying that, that the secular world is moving closer, is more interested. Do you agree with that? Do you think that that would even be true if it meant, you know, less buses on Shabbat, if it meant closing the stores that they go to? Do you think that that would be true, or I mean, is it possible to heal the rift, or is he, you know, is it a Sisyphean task that's that's not possible in the world in which we live? Firstly, I, I know this is this is a conversation that we've had on a number of occasions. Mali mm -hmm. often is uh, uh, is spirited in in terms of her celebration of the greater move towards traditionalism. I I've generally seen mixed messages in society. I think we see that in some aspects, and we very much don't see it another aspects. I don't think one can bet on a singular directionality of the modern state of Israel. If you go to a mall, trust me, it feels much more secular than it did five or 10 or 20 years ago in terms of music and the images. You go down the street, you'll find fewer and fewer um, expressions, representations. Listen to, you know, watch TV, listen to podcasts. We're, we're pumping into our homes. Uh, values which are not connected in any which way uh, to Judaism. Meaning, let's not kid ourselves. Think, um, I think, though, he believes that, I, I wouldn't use the word salvage, I think he's trying to salvage the Rabbanut and trying it being, uh, try and make it into being an effective um, uh, service overseer and provider for a greater number of citizens of the state of Israel, for them to, for them to have a beta, better service so that they don't leave with a bitter taste in their mouth because there is a very much alienation. And he's saying, let's just try and stop the alienation. Hopefully, we can try and do more than that. If we don't stop the alienation, then we're doomed any which way. So he's trying to salvage that. And as a result of that, the byproduct would, would be trying to salvage people's general associations with religion which I don't think overall are getting heightened. People may well feel that spiritual, but I, I, I don't think people are falling in love with the process they have to go through to get married here. I don't think they're thrilled when uh, they have to jump through a million hoops in terms of gear. He's saying, let's try and make things a lot better and just want to end with a simple number because he wishes to emphasize this number, especially focusing on Chok He says, ultimately, we've got 450,000 citizens of the state of Israel who are Zer Israel but not halachically Jewish meaning they've got a, 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 a Jewish relative but they're not halachically Jewish he says those people right now we know this has been a time bomb um, this is beyond by the way people who are totally not halachically Jewish in one respect or another but he's saying we need to put our foot to the pedal right now and try and address this issue we, it's an issue that's been going on for 30 years and there's been lots of talk and very little action and if there has been action, it's been about disempowering some interesting programs, primarily for ideological reasons. It's time to turn the tide immediately, uh, because uh, I'd rather more people identify as Jews, and I'd rather more people be Jews, and then you'll see the state of Israel is likely to change as a result. Mali, you want to take it? You want to try it? Can you respond? No, I, I agree with Johnny. I mean, again, as I, as I said in the beginning, he said, I think he believes that his explicit um, goal agenda is to bring more Jews close to a positive association with Judaism and I think I, I really do believe that that's one of his goals um, and the way that he wants to do it, one of the, one of the ways that he wants to do it is to solve these political obstacles to people that that push people away from Judaism I think he really believes that very very strongly um, and that's really his hope I, mean, I know he believes it. Do you believe it? <laughs> do I believe it? Do I believe that? Do I, what, what, what do you mean? Do you do think that it's, it's meaning? Do you think you agree with his assessment of society? Yes. yes, I agree with his assessment of society. I agree with his solutions, the big ado. I think his his general, I, I, meaning, which we didn't really talk about, right? But we don't have to go into the details of his plans. But the bottom line is his plans are to take, is to like decentralize and include more competition 
um, and open up multiple venues and options as a way to and, and to and to kind of give the consumer more power. Uh, you know what I mean? Like to open up competition so that you'll end up having people. Um, but I want to say also in Kashrut and also in Dior, everything within the rubric of halachic guidelines, orthodox guidelines, and all under the, the rubric of the Rabbanut. It's oh. important to say those so, things. So this is exact meaning. But, but wait, but I want to finish my point, right? My yeah. point is that if it's done right, he if he could do it, it would be amazing, right? It's exactly like Sohar. The minute you create Sohar, you have a good option for marriages and you force the Rabbanut to up their game in terms of being, um, you know, pleasant and, and, and accessible. The same thing will happen with Kashrut and the same thing will, ha- will happen with Giyur. Um, it's, it's just, I believe it's a win-win if he can make it happen. The problem so is that, again, say, we, are, we I, get in our own way. I have to say way. that I give him all the credit in the world for trying. I don't know if I would start with these two things. Because truth be told, when I walk into a restaurant, I'm eating in these restaurants anyway. Meaning, even let's assume that he's right about everything. So where do you want said. him to start? Let's what he's saying he's, is, let's take back wait, the wait a second. Let's assume that he's right about every single thing he said. Honestly, he's right about it all. <laughs> Kashrut is there's corruption and it's got to be fixed and it doesn't really work and there's no re- and there's no reason why it shouldn't etc cetera, etc. Cetera. The average Israeli who wants to keep kosher keeps kosher, and the average Israeli no, doesn't want to keep you're kosher. You're missing a really important point. Doesn't the keep average kosher Israeli and could care less about, one second, who's giving the, the two dots. No, but the average kashrut. Israeli when they think about the kashrut system has a cynicism about it. Uh, do you think and that will change? And you think that will change? I don't know. I think okay. that if the system, one second, one second. I'll tell you I how think if the think. system is a better wait, wait, system. Wait, let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. I respect it. Uh, great. I'm going to finish. Giyur, as important as it is, it's really, really important. First of all, his reform is not really a reform. It's simply allowing a couple more rabbis to, to do Giyur. And yes, they will help. It could, it as, could be as, revolutionary. As said, they will help, yeah. uh, let's say, 5,000 more people convert a year. Let's say. Okay. That is not revolutionary for Israeli society. It's just but not. The, I, but Ruby, the idea that the Rabbanut or that the municipal authorities are accessible, reasonable, welcoming, warm, and still halachic, that, that would be such an important oh, wait, wait a second. So you've just talked about municipal authorities. Exactly right. Marat, saying, you are most Israelis, the vast majority of Israeli society, Never comes in contact with a Iraqi or never. No, but they, okay. And I know so it's what your so, husband so, does, and I love what I'm saying is. Wait, wait, they so if you with, wanted to, if you wanted to Ruby, affect Israeli want, society, okay, but where do you want to? You had do a it? limited time. So first of all, as it was an article in this week's uh, in this week's before we shown, you should probably appoint some local rabbis who he are, is. Uh, David told me he's a, he's he's Rav Ribon is now the Rav of Gush Etzion. Right, that appointment has not been filled for quite a while because the Haredim want their guys in, and Efrat the Haredim wanted their guys in after Abariskin retired, and it was just left empty. He is appointing. Who's the um, rabbi of Efrat? I don't know who it is now. I don't know. No, who, there is no rabbi of now because I think because they wanted to put this Haredi guy in, and Efrat was like, "Why? No, that's not who we want as our as our rabbi." And he again, I think he is trying to do that. I think Ruby, what he's doing is being very bold. He's cutting. To, like what? What do you want him to do? Just you know, play Honestly, around. Honestly, not with... you. Or I want him to. If you'd ask me, what do you want him to I'd do? want him to institute the idea. I'd want him to probably get rid of the 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 role of local community rabbis of like shchuna rabbis that don't do anything. Nobody knows who they are, and and create a role for community rabbis. Okay, I'd like, but say you know, there. So those are other things that he could possibly do. Well, I'm no, but saying, I'm saying he's, he's, exerting, he's exerting so second, much second. energy on he's, things that have almost nothing to do with the vast majority of the Because I think what they have to do, what they do is is they. They are the face of what the Rabbanut is. When people think Rabbanut, they think marriage, Giyur, Kashrut. And if those things can be transformed and taken out of the um, the, 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 the stronghold of the Haredim and put into the hands of Datilumi rabbis who, who can create a whole different feeling, a whole different feeling around those places, that could really have a very strong ripple effect on Israeli society. I'll, 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 I'll just respond to you and say, Mali, I'll just respond to you and say that everything he's doing can be undone in a heartbeat. Correct. In 10 seconds, and that the only thing he could do that cannot be undone is to appoint people of his ideology. Senior, so go tell him to do that. But I'm just saying, I understand why he's doing what he's doing. And let's also mention that he doesn't shy away when they ask him, what are you going to do about the, the, the Kotel Plaza and what happened in Tisha B'Av when women of the wall came and then the religious, you know, a whole group of extremists came and did really un, 
unpardonable things. And he's willing to stand up and say, this is not acceptable. And, and I want X, Y, and Z. He is willing to kind of speak out in uh, these kind issues. Of, he kind of raised up. He kind of threw up his hands on that one. Because I, I, I want to cut Johnny, in. Because Johnny I, Johnny I, cut in. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is a little bit. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, you mentioned about the Kashrut. So I'll give you a very practical thing. This is something that he says. Again, we have a limited amount of knowledge between ourselves, but nevertheless, uh, I've got to take him um, from what he's uh, described. Right now, there are restaurants who pay mm -hmm. uh, for two certificates. One is for the Rabbana, one is for a different certificate. Who's ultimately paying for that? You and me. So as, as it happens, right now, the Kashrut arrangement is ridiculous. We are all as consumers paying for a bad system. And he's saying that's not Wait, smart. wait, time out. I'm going to respond to that. Well, you're totally no, no, right. No, 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 I agree no, with no. that. But the but the 10 extra agarot that you're paying for your falafel, you don't care about it. That's not true. Firstly, when not you ask the average agarot, person secondly, how do they feel about the whole Rabbanut, they're like, it's a joke and it makes me angry. And maybe even just for... I, 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 wait, first, you think it's going to change after this reform? I don't know, but it's a step in the right direction. The Rabbanut is becoming so... It's it's just... it's 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 crashing under the force of its own corruption and right. he's Secondly, trying to stop in terms that. of Kashrut, what is his reform his reform is basically to have uh, uh, the ability to shut down currently operating non-rabbanut hashkachot because by putting it under its wing but then saying you have to play according to our rules or you don't have a license to operate at all what it does is create a, a hopefully a more coherent system in the kind of restaurants that maybe you don't go to but perhaps in those instances there are problems that certainly need to be handled so in that's in terms of kashrut two examples certainly there are more in terms of gerut uh, what he we use the word decentralize and that means trying to empower local Bate Din. Now, that applies to Gyo, but not only. We have seen numerous very ugly cases where particular local Bate Din have reached particular decisions. There was a famous one in Tzvat some years ago, which was then overturned by the centralized Rabbanut. A significant human cost uh, and a great anguish to many people. Uh, and in really important posky, people like Dain Dachowski wrote a, a very firm um, article saying that's not how halacha works. Mm -hmm. We empower local bate din. And what Matan Khan is trying to do, in t which is best reflected in Giyur but applies elsewhere, is to say the way that the power is held in one location and we may gracefully sometimes give it out to others, but then if we wish to pull it back is unhealthy, is ineffective and causes misery to the lives of some uh, and could be done better. Meaning, so what we, though these may well be two uh, significant cases, what they represent is uh, a, an inverted power structure, which right now is being held basically centrally. And he's saying, in terms of Kashrut, let's not try and be the deciders of everything, let's be the arbiters of making sure everything is done right under our watch, right? We're going to be the supervisors of those who are doing supervision, um, and we're going to use the law that we have to make sure that Kashrut. <laughs> is give is is uh, run effectively in various different places as he says just as we have for food products that come from overseas and in terms of gear let's try and empower local places because problems occur in local places and sometimes there are significant blind spots in the centralized institutions which have held back from moving forward and now we have these crazy numbers of hundreds of thousands of non-halachic Jews and if we don't address this soon we're all in for a big shock. So I, I just want to say again I don't disagree with any of the specific agendas and we're not we didn't go into the specifics it's very clear we didn't go into the specifics I, I do disagree that if you want to make a significant change in Israeli society going to war over these things I think is a mistake I think he could have done it much more quiet, quiet, quietly by appointing all, like, there should be a Rav and Efrat. And that Rav and Efrat will have power, like Rav Rizkin changed Israeli society in fundamental ways just by being the Rav of Efrat. You know? By, by appointing, by quietly appointing people, by changing the Moatzot, by, by he, there should already be funding for Yoatzot Halacha. You know, there's many things by that he way, could he do. By the way, he said he said he's doing that. If you he read said his he's piece, doing that. But, he's, um, but he said, but he, no, no, Mali, I'm saying, he said he investing his energy First in the Chok of Kashrut, and now in this Chok of Giyur. And these are things that, that are wonderful and lovely and, and nice, but they don't affect you or me. And they don't affect the average Israeli. I don't they know. Don't. I, I, I don't. go back to what you said in the beginning. I think it's, it's like 
and again, I think there's also a personality here, right? A personality who's who who's clearly very driven, very motivated, very talented, and used to used to going for like the big bucks. You know what I mean? Like again, like it's a guy who like does say art Markal and then says, you know what? And I also want to do Tais. I think I'm going to read Megayes and do Tais. This is a personality of a person who says, I I'm going to go. I'm going to. Sh- I, I I'm not shy. I'm not go afraid. Yeah, go big or go home. That's yeah, what but unfortunately, now, but one second, Ruby. You're saying you think go big, go big or go, go home. He is pretty you. soon, pretty quickly, he's going right, to go home. We know this coalition is going to last. I agree. I agree with that. But I also think that, like, for us, somebody has had to say this. We've all been saying this quietly for the past ten to fifteen years. That what's happening in the Rabbanut is a scandal. What's happening in Sfarat Atot is a scandal. And where is the where is Armatan Kahana? And here he is. And so, even if it's all just going to be like one symbolic, you know, firework that's gone up and that it all fails and it doesn't happen, at least he's made his statement. And that's important. If he if he passes this Chok Kashrut that the Haredim are going to overturn as soon as they be, get into power, and he passes the Chok Yur that the Rabbanut can torpedo through its power without under, undermining the power structures and appointing people who, would be, who will have long-term effects, that will have been a crock, a sad, a sad, sad thing. He because will also if have you say, my point. go big and go home. And by the way, maybe you'll say this is criticism. I, I think he's doing amazing work, but maybe he's doing it in but the my, wrong way. But I would my also point say is that he yeah. stoked up the fires among within religious Zionists exactly. who had a feeling of Yush, now a feeling of Tikva. I ultimately, it uh, the community that should have been more vocal against certain trends. Who basically self-silenced themselves because they felt hopeless. They said, "What? What do we do?" Actually, he, he's really energized a huge, uh, you know, a segment of that population. Not all, admittedly, but a huge segment. And I think if he ends because the government changes, etc., you'll have a lot more people who said, "We're, we're not prepared to give up so quickly this time." I right. wish you were right. Yeah, but I hope you are right. So he's opened up the conversations. He has put things on the table um, as public conversations and made certain things possible that no one that we're, everybody's been wishing for and hoping for, and nobody's been doing. And he, he, right, even if it fails, the possibility has now been. It's like the genie's out of the bottle. Once the genie's out of the bottle, it's just a matter of time. Could be a hundred years from now. Could be ten years from now. Could be you know, three years from now that it'll succeed. But the genie's out of the bottle, as Johnny says. Okay, I think we got to stop here. We're out of time. Uh, if the minister Kahana is listening, I know if you if you want to, you want to come on in Hebrew, we'll translate for you. Uh, I, if you got this far into the podcast, we'll do it. Uh, otherwise, if, we, if you have comments or, or questions or suggestions, uh, please send us all an email. We're very easy to find on the WhatsApps, on the Facebooks. Uh, I want to thank Haroni Malibrovsky for making the time and Rabbi Johnny Solomon for this... Uh, Really enlightening conversation. I want to thank my son for our music. If you are listening and you are on the iTunes app, please leave us a review. Share on Facebook. It helps spread the RZ word around the world. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.